Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And uh, today I'm starting a series called The Baptism in the Spirit. I actually taught on this in my uh, Christian Foundation series, but as I was studying, the whole subject of the baptism in the Spirit just opened up out to me in a deeper level. And I wanted to just dedic- share that and dedicate uh, a whole series to the baptism in the Spirit. I believe it's so important because while we are here on the earth, we have a mission to fulfill and we need God's power to fulfill it. And really, it centers on the Great Commission, the mission that Jesus gave us to fulfill. But we all have different gifts and abilities, but we are really to devote everything to fulfilling the Great Commission and to, to win, pe- win the lost and to make disciples. And we need God's power to do that. And the baptism in the Spirit is what that's all about. But I want us to really understand this in a deep way, so that uh, we might have the real faith to receive the baptism in the Spirit and to operate powerfully in it. Because the more we understand, the more more powerfully we can actually yield to the Spirit and be used by God in this way. And so there are three foundational baptisms for a Christian, and they should all take place right at the start, ideally, of our Christian life. The one that is absolutely essential, of course, is the baptism into Christ at our salvation. That's when we are united to Christ by the Spirit. We are put into union with Christ. We're baptized into Christ and into his body. And we receive, at that point, the Spirit within us. And we are born again. And then we, we, we testify to that and we act that out in our baptism in water when we are immersed in water. And then there is a third baptism called the baptism in the Spirit that again follows on after our salvation. We'll prove that. And that is an endowment of power from on high. And so there are two ministries of the Holy Spirit. One is the Spirit within us, and that's for ourselves. That's our own life with God, our holiness with God. But there's also the Spirit upon us. And these are two distinct things. We must first of all receive the Spirit within us, and and then we are called to receive the Spirit upon us, which is power to be a witness, power for ministry. And the Bible's very clear on that. And uh, we'll see that Jesus himself experienced the Holy Spirit in those two ways. And uh, we see in the book of Acts that when believers received salvation, soon after they were baptized in water and then baptized in the Holy Spirit and empowered to to do their ministry. The word baptism means immersion, and so baptism in, in the Spirit means to be immersed in the Spirit and therefore to have the Spirit upon us. Well, praise God. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 describes the baptism into Christ, first of all. It says, by one Spirit, we were all, everyone, all believers have this, all baptized into one body, the body of Christ, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. And that talks about what happens at salvation. We've all received the Holy Spirit within us. And so here the baptizer is the Holy Spirit, and we are baptized into Christ. The medium is Christ. 
as Galatians says, as many of you that were baptized into Christ have also put on Christ. So all true born again believers have received this baptism. It happened at our new birth when we were put into Christ. Christ's spirit came into us, recreated our spirit, and we were born again. So we have received his spirit to dwell within us. And this, this Holy Spirit connects us to Christ, our head, and to each other in the body of Christ. And this is the one baptism all believers have. As Ephesians 4.4 says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the one baptism we all have. One God and Father of us all. So the baptism into Christ is the one baptism all believers have. There are two other baptisms, but not all believers automatically have them. It depends on their faith and obedience. In fact, it's your obedience that determines whether you're baptized in water, and it's your faith, surrender to God, by which you're able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the, the other two baptisms are actually outward expressions and manifestations of the fundamental baptism into Christ. So baptism in water is commanded on all believers to testify publicly and to demonstrate outwardly their baptism into Christ at salvation. In water baptism, they're acting out what God has done in their spirit, again, when they were baptized in the spirit. Because we were put in Christ, we are identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. So as they go into the water, buried in the water and come out of the water, this is a picture of how we died in Christ, were buried in Christ and are risen in Christ as a new creation. And so this is a man uh, who represents the church, who is the baptizer, and the medium into which we're baptized is water, of course. Now, we explain that because there's a parallel with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This third baptism that we're going to focus on now in this series is also an outward demonstration of what happened within us at our baptism into Christ when we received the Spirit within us. Because in the baptism of the Spirit, the Spirit that's within us also comes to be upon us, clothing us with his power to witness and minister. And so there is a twofold receiving of the Spirit in Scripture. And we, we'll see this consistently in the book of Acts that first we receive the Spirit within us at salvation, and later we receive the Spirit upon us when we're baptized in the Spirit. Because the same Spirit that we receive at salvation also wants to come upon us and clothe us with His power. But we have to receive Him in that capacity, in that ministry. So the purpose of the baptism in the Spirit is power for ministry, fulfilling the Great Commission, and really, that's why we're still here on the earth. That's why we're not just having fun in heaven, because we have a mission. We have a work to do on this earth. We have to... What does Jesus want? He wants men and women to be saved. And he wants them to be discipled and brought closer to God. And, and that happens through us as we, as, we, as we surrender to his spirit to fulfill his mission on the earth. And so when we... Um, follow Jesus and become a disciple, we're immediately enrolled into sharing his mission. We're on the same team. And that mission is calling men to himself to be saved and become disciples. And we need divine power to do that. It's a supernatural enterprise. 
And at the baptism in Christ, we receive the blessing for ourselves. We are connected to God on the inside by the Spirit within. So, but now we need to take the next step and surrender our soul and body to God to receive His supernatural power upon us to be His witnesses in the earth. That's a separate thing. It's not to make you a better Christian, but it's to empower you to do God's work. And so God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. We can't be a witness to Christ, an effective witness to Christ in our own strength. Uh, but um, He is here to help us. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, power to be His witnesses. That's what Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. But it's up to us to allow God to fill us with his spirit in that way. And I want to build your faith that you can receive that power of the Holy Spirit. It is essential to receive the, the baptism of the spirit that first of all, you're born again. Only those who are saved and have the spirit within can receive the spirit upon. Uh, Jesus described this in, in Matthew 9, 17. He says, you don't want to put new wine into old wineskins. Uh, otherwise they'll just break. The old wineskin is our old spirit. And if our spirit is not born again, it cannot receive the new wine of the spirit, uh, of the power of God. So he says, what you have to do is make, use a new wineskin or renew the wineskin. And in those days, if there was an old kind of cracked wineskin, if you rub oil in it, you renew it. And then you can put the new wine in it and all is well. And so what he's saying is, in the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes into our spirit, and that's the oil, and he renews our spirit, and now we can receive the new wine, praise God, of the, of the Holy Spirit. So those are the two ministries of the Spirit, the oil and the wine. But you can't receive the wine until first you receive the oil of the Spirit within you, making you a new wineskin. And so the same spirit that we receive at salvation also wants to come upon us and clothe us with his power when we receive him in that ministry. Both of these ministries of the spirit, the spirit within and upon, are available for all believers. And they were prophesied in the Old Testament that as a result of the Messiah coming, bringing in the new covenant, this blessing, twofold blessing of the spirit, will be available to all believers, praise God. And uh, this is called the promise of the Father. And that's why Jesus called the new covenant work of the Spirit, he summarized it as the promise of the Father. This was what was promised in the Old Testament that would come to pass. And that, for instance, in Luke 24, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And again in Acts 1, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for Jesus, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So in other words, the promise of the Father includes the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which he also described as being clothed with power from on high. In other words, the Spirit upon us. And on the day of Pentecost, a few days later, uh, Peter announced that the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit poured out, 
has now been received by the exalted Jesus on our behalf and fully poured out. In other words, Jesus received the promise on our behalf and then he poured this promise out for us in the Holy Spirit. We read, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this promise, this promised Holy Spirit, which you now see and hear. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, the promise of the Spirit is to you and your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And so the, the promise of the Spirit, the Spirit within and the Spirit upon, is, is for all believers. All that the Lord will call can have this baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God coming upon them in power. It's available to all believers. Notice the promise of the Spirit in both his indwelling through the new birth and the baptism of the Spirit is for all believers in Christ, for all whom the Lord calls to himself. Now the Old Testament points to a twofold promise of God. First, the Spirit within all believers that in through the new birth and second, the Spirit upon all believers. Number one, Ezekiel prophesies the spirit within. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. That's in the new birth. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. In other words, the spirit within us is to cause us to live a holy life. But the spirit upon us has a different purpose. It's to empower us for ministry. Um, for instance, it, that, that, the Spirit upon was prophesied too in Isaiah 59. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My Spirit who is upon you and my words which I've put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth. And so this is how the power of God works. God puts his Spirit upon us and he puts his words in our mouth, the gospel and the word of God. And as we speak his word, we release the power of the Spirit and cause blessing for other people. That's how the covenant is transmitted, the blessing is transmitted. And then, of course, Joel's prophecy prophesies the Spirit upon. It says, it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. So it says, it's for all, not just certain special prophets and that, all will have the Spirit upon them, and the Spirit upon them will cause the release of supernatural gifts in their lives, all for the purpose of glorifying Jesus and fulfilling the Great Commission. Now this was different from what was available in the Old Testament, because first of all, no one had the new birth or the Spirit within them in the Old Testament. But in the New Covenant, all his people will have the Spirit within. In the Old Testament, although a few choice individuals, prophet, priests and kings, a few of them had the Holy Spirit upon them, generally, the anointing in other words, generally the God's people did not have the Spirit upon them. But Joel prophesied that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh and releasing their spiritual gifts. And this was actually an answer to Moses' prayer. He saw the potential in the future in Numbers 11 Moses said, are you zealous for my sake? And it's because certain people were prophesying that, uh, that uh, 
that Joshua thought they shouldn't be prophesying. Um, Moses said, oh, that all of God's people were prophets and that the, the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. So that's God's will is for all to have the spirit of God upon them. And that's how it should be. So in the New Testament, all of God's people would receive the uh, spirit within. And in addition, all will have the spirit upon. It would be available to all believers. And this blessing of the spirit is available and made possible by the death and resurrection of the Messiah. And, and that's what Galatians says. Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. You've got to be baptized into Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So notice it's described as the blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Spirit for us to receive. Now, by his perfect sacrifice, and it's made possible, it describes Christ's sacrificial death, taking the curse so that we might have the blessing. By his perfect sacrifice, he purchased and he obtained the right to receive the promise of the Spirit on our behalf and then to give it to us. And by re redeeming us also, he gave us the right to re receive this promise. He's qualified us to be partakers of our inheritance in Christ, praise God, which is, includes the Holy Spirit. And this is one reason why the promise of the Holy Spirit was not available in the Old Testament before Christ's death and resurrection. Notice it's called the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is twofold. I will bless you, he says, and make you a blessing. See, I will bless you, that is the spirit within us, connecting us to God. But also, he says, I will make you a blessing to others. In other words, I'll give you the power to impart life and blessing to others. That's the spirit of God upon us. And uh, that's as he gave to Adam. He, he breathed the breath of life into him. That was the blessing. But then he said to Adam, go forth and multiply. And he blessed them and he said, go multiply. In other words, he gave them the power to impart life and blessing to others to be fruitful and multiply. And so that's the blessing of Abraham is twofold, the spirit within and the spirit upon. That's the promise of the spirit is in two parts, to, to be blessed ourselves and to be a blessing. Notice in Acts number, chapter one, Jesus said that they had previously heard him speak about this promise that he would bring into fulfillment. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so next we want to look at Jesus's life and his ministry and his teaching to see how he prepared them for the coming of the Spirit that would come in the new covenant after his death and resurrection. He said, you, I've, I've, I've been preparing you for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus, of course, he is the perfect man. He's the, our example. And of course, he had the Spirit right from his conception, right from his birth. He lived in the fullness of the Spirit uh, within. And when he was 30, he received the Spirit upon him. And then when he had his death and resurrection, through that death and resurrection, he made the same promise of the Spirit 
the same provision of the Spirit available to us through the new covenant. So what he walked in in his life and ministry, the Spirit within and upon, when he laid his life down, he did it so that we might receive the same provision of the Spirit within us and upon us. And we're going to see his life confirms that the Spirit within and the Spirit upon are two distinct aspects of God's perfect provision for man of the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, of course, in Jesus' life, he was conceived by the power of the Spirit. He had the Spirit within him from the beginning, setting him apart to God, empowering his relationship with God, enabling him to live a perfect life of dependence on God and obedience to God for his whole human life. All of that was through the Spirit that was within him. You know, Mary was told in Luke 1.35 how he would be conceived. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One, brought forth through the Holy Spirit, who will be born, will be called the Son of God. And so this tells us that he had the Holy Spirit within, right from the beginning, and it was for his own holiness to live a holy life. But, it was not but he was not empowered by the Holy Spirit for ministry, until the Holy Spirit came upon him at his baptism. He didn't do any healings or miracles until after he was anointed by God at, when he was 30. We were told, actually, that when he turned the water into wine, that was his first sign. It says it's the beginning of signs. Jesus, his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And so the Spirit within, in Jesus' life, we see the Spirit upon is distinct from the Spirit within. Although Jesus had the Spirit within him from birth, only when he was 30 did he receive the Spirit upon him to empower him for ministry. We, we read about that in, in Luke 3. It's come to pass when Jesus was baptized, while he prayed, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And that voice was authorizing him to do his ministry, to represent him in the earth. But he needed the power of God to do that. That's the Spirit upon him. And then in John 1, it says that John the Baptist bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Now remember, Jesus is the blueprint for us. He remained upon him. I did not know him, that, he'd be, that he was the Messiah. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is he who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying here is that Jesus will actually, this is, he is being baptized with the Holy Spirit there. And he will then also be the one who does the same for us. He will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. He'll give us the Spirit upon and so we see that though Jesus was born of the Spirit and he had the indwelling Spirit from the start, he only received the baptism in the Spirit when he was 30. And likewise, just because we are born of the Spirit and we have the indwelling Spirit, it doesn't mean we're necessarily baptized in the Spirit because it's a distinct experience that comes after the new birth. The Scripture says that Jesus will give us the same experience of being baptized in the Spirit that he received from God at his baptism. And so Jesus, first of all, received the 
from God, the baptism in the Spirit. Um, he did it as our representative, as our pioneer. And then that in turn enables him to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. So what he receives from God, he then gives to us. Jesus' baptism in the Spirit, therefore, and this is really important, is the blueprint for our baptism in the Spirit. The only difference really is that Jesus received the Spirit of God without measure. John 3.34, it says, God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. In other words, he has an, the total fullness of the Spirit. But with us, we don't have the ability to receive the totality of the Holy Spirit, so he measures out and distributes the Spirit to us by measure according to our own individual gifts and ministries. So the fact that Jesus' baptism is the blueprint of our baptism in the Spirit tells us, first of all, that the baptism in the Spirit is different and a subsequent experience from the new birth and the indwelling Spirit. And secondly, it tells us that Jesus' baptism in the Spirit involves the Spirit coming upon Jesus and remaining upon him, clothing, us, clothing him with power. And so the same applies to us. Jesus wants to baptize us in the Spirit, and that means his Spirit coming upon us and clothing us with his power, because his experience is a picture of what he wants to do for us. Jesus was baptized in the Spirit at the same time that he was baptized in water. Um, now, or, or immediately after he was baptized in water, rather. And so, although the two baptisms, being baptized in water and being baptized in the Spirit, they do not necessarily happen at the same time uh, in our cases. Nevertheless, the fact that Jesus was baptized in water and in the Spirit at the same time reveals that there's a very close connection between them. Uh, and we're going to see what that connection is uh, next time. And this connection is confirmed in a number of scriptures that, that connect baptism in water to the baptism in the Spirit. In particular, John the Baptist says, I baptize in water, but the one who's coming after me, Jesus, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So the baptism in water is a picture of the baptism in the Spirit. In particular, it means that just as you are immersed in that water and that water is all over you and envelops you so that when you're baptized in the Spirit, the Spirit covers you and clothes you and is upon you. Well, we're going to continue with this next time. We all need healing at some point in our life and we need to know how to receive healing from God. And so I've written this book, Getting Healed, to really help you understand how you can receive healing from God and how to help others also receive healing from God. And it's available in book form and it's also available as a CD series and it will really build your faith to encourage you to, to, to receive God's healing power into your body. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. 
You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.